Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another promising to be interesting episode of Classes of Veteran. Um, we have taken a, a break off there working with um, the Kansas City's own The Pitch Magazine and a Dory platform. So this will be um, our first episode um, being published on our new platform. Uh, my co-host, as always, with me here, JJ. Say hello to everybody. There you go. You can't just say good morning. You got to say it all at one time. So coming back today, as always, we're going to have a, uh, a special guest here in the house to talk about uh, his time in service, what he uh, currently is doing, what he did um, before, during, and after the service, uh, and all those fun things here. So coming back at you, classes of veterans. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to another exciting episode of Classes of Veteran. Um, I'm going to introduce my guest today, and I'm going to call him by the name that I thought it what it was. I had known this gentleman for a while, and then he had looked at my phone and said, man, that ain't even my name. So so my guest today is, is, is Fred Taylor. <laughs> Fred Taylor. <laughs> Is that the name that's in your phone, or is that his name? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever name it is, it's not the real name. I, I, I see the name, I'm like, well, I thought he had another person that he was trying to get in contact with. <laughs> Fred is a common name, so I'm like, well, who would that be trying to talk to? And why you keep calling me this? <laughs> last name is Johnson. <laughs> so, but but the thing was, because we had so we had worked together before, I was like, okay. Johnson, I was like, man, that's too common of a name. I was like, I don't know why, for some reason in my head, it was, it was, it was, it was Taylor. So, ladies and gentlemen, my give my guest today is Fred Johnson, not Fred Taylor, but it's always just, a, just one of those. Uh, that's a TBI moment, right? Is that, is that what I get to count that as? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so, um. You know, kind of what we talked about with the podcast, man. The goal of this podcast is to do is to do several things. Is to uh, is is the one is to always capture every every veteran story that comes on 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 the uh, podcast, but to also um, you know spark the questions of our listeners of things that they may or may not want to ask and like time and service, all that other fun stuff. So if you don't mind giving us the nitty gritty of why you decided uh, to raise your right hand and join uh, uh, Uncle Sam's uh, misguided children? You know, honestly, um, for years now I've been telling this story to uh, pretty much anybody that'll listen. But uh, mainly, you know, <laughs> kids and, uh, you know, uh, school systems and things. Uh, I try to make it a story, whether or not it's a cautionary tale or something that'll help someone make a decision for themselves. Um, you know, I'm from Chicago. I grew up between Chicago and a small town uh, in Waterloo, Iowa. That was, you know, small black population, but, you know, we were, we were there. We are there. <laughs> for all people that continuously ask, other black people in Iowa, yes, there are. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, just having... I guess whatever you want to call it, the cliche, 
concept of being a, a, a young black man raised by a single mom. Um, you know, I got into a lot of stuff. Uh, I was angry and, uh, you know, just the way life was, you, you made what you could out of it. Um, so yeah, I did the, the, the gang banging and I did the uh, drug dealing and, uh, you know, but I wanted to be better. I always knew I wanted to be better. I always knew that there was something that I wanted to do and being on the streets wasn't just, it wasn't satisfying for me. Um, so I dropped out of high school when I was probably uh, 16 years old and I got my GED within two or three weeks of dropping out of high school. Um, I enrolled in college, but my only intentions were to play football. Mm -hmm. They were not to go to class. And so <laughs> the football, uh, it, it lasted as long as the, the, the semester. But, um, you know, it was, it was a good experience. It took me some time to get used to school because I didn't have a lot of high school education. So it took me some time to get used to the college um, run of things. Uh, so I continued to sell drugs through college. And it was the way of me making my living, um, you know. And then I got with a young lady and, you know, when I was 18 years old, and I can say now that, you know, we're still together, you know, 25 wow. years and that yeah. I've been with her. And, and she was definitely a blessing for me. Uh, we have two children and those two children were some of the reasons why I had to make better decisions for myself. Um, I was in my senior year at college and I was, uh, at the time I was a social work major and I felt like the information that I was getting wasn't suffice enough for me to be satisfied with where I was headed. You know, um, I wanted to be able to understand people more. You know, I was, I wanted to know why people did the things they did, but I felt like I wasn't getting that education. Um, one week in one week's time, I ended up in a situation where I felt like the walls were closing in on me. And I felt like because I was in this small town that if anyone was dissatisfied with me or if they had got caught doing something that I was an easy target to tell the police that I'm out here doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And I felt like those walls were closing in on me. And literally one day after two incidents happened, I uh, <laughs> I got the mail and I went to the bathroom <laughs> to read my mail where we read mail. We read mail. <laughs> yes. Hey, a lot, a lot of literature is read. Yeah, the bathroom. This, this is a true story. True story. And, now, and now it's just changed to Facebook. But it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Way before Facebook. <laughs> so here I am reading my mail and I'm, I'm going, while well, I'm shuffling through the mail, and, and there that letter is, you know, and there, there's that guy that's pointing at you. And he says, Uncle Sam wants you. And I'm like, he wants me? <laughs> and the letter's like, yeah, he wants you. And I'm like, me? So I literally, I grab my phone and I call my mom. I'm still in the bathroom. <laughs> and I call my mom and I say, Mom, I'm going to the Army. And she says, and I quote, Motherfucker, they gonna put your ass in jail. <laughs> I, said, I said, dang, ma. <laughs> Why they gonna put me in jail? What I do, what I do, I ain't even done that. I'm still having my morning movement and I'm over here having a lot. This is, this is a very traumatic morning. <laughs> and she says, 
they're going to put your ass in jail. I said, well, why? She said, you don't have no respect for authority. It's just not going to work. I said, Mom, I, I promise you, I think I've changed. I think I can handle the situation. How old were you at that time? At that time, I was um, I was 21. Okay. I was 21 years old. I was. It was February. I was graduating with my bachelor's degree in May. And uh, I opened the door and I called my, my, she was my girl at the time. And I said, well, my fiance. And I said, uh, hey, I'm going to the army. And she said, okay. <laughs> and I closed <laughs> the door and that was it. And that was it. That was it. That was it. Um, she, she believed you? She didn't think you were like giving her shit? I don't know or... if she, I don't know if she believed me, but I'm the kind of person that, you know, if I say something out loud, then it kind of is what it is, you okay. know? And it was, that was probably such a far-fetched statement that for her to hear it from me, I'm pretty sure she was out there in the front room somewhere like <laughs> thinking like, was he for real? <laughs> but why would he say that if he wasn't for real? Well, you, you, you have two polar opposite reactions, right? <laughs> Motherfucker, you going to jail. Exactly. Okay, holler me when you get back. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and so I, uh, I literally, I, I, I dropped out of college three months before graduation. I dropped out of college. Wow. Um, my wife and I went to Hawaii for our uh, pre-honeymoon. I got back. I got married in June, and I was gone in July. Um, I, I I was I had to lose a lot of weight. You know, I mean, you guys can't see me. I'm a nice-sized dude. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, hey, he put that very white voice on. He, he said, I'm a nice size dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. at the time, I actually, you know, I, I was, I had not played football in um, about two years. So, you know, I had put on that weight that I didn't know I had. And I, I stepped on the scale of recruiters offers at 305. And I, uh, I had to lose about 30 pounds. Yeah, um, to go in. So by the time I, I left in July, I was down to two, uh, 275. Okay. Wow. How tall are you? 5'10", gracefully. I was going to say, <laughs> well, no, well, when you said 305, I, I thought you was talking about what time it was. <laughs> I said, he said, I said, I said, I stepped on this scale at 305, uh, 1505. Well, because I'm saying, I'm, I'm, five, I'm 5'11". I know my weight restrictions was was, was tight. You was you was tight because then you because because then you had them put on on the big boy program when you was in baseball. Well, no, I, I did I didn't actually. You know, one okay. of the things is is that I mean, you know, I don't know how you know athletic you are, <laughs> but for but for me, my I'm gonna go. With my doctors always told me. My doctors always told me that you know my body build is 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 in a, is in a manner that you know. As you know, in the military, you, you got the neck tape mm -hmm. and the waist. I have a small waist and I have a thicker neck. So, so you was, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Was, was I good. was good there, you know. Now, it was tight, like you said. It was tight. And I was I was walking the rope for some time, which affected a lot of my, you know, um, time in. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and promotions and things like that. So it definitely did come back and bite me in the ass a little bit when I, uh, when I got in. But. And that was one of those stories that I guess we'll get to, but yeah, we will. You know, know, yeah, that. I mean, you know, just one of them things that you just don't know about. You know, you think that you kind of you, you cross that road and and you're good. I'm in now, and so I'm I'm okay. But uh, it, it came back and got me a little bit. So 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 get up 
And this is well, what? What year is this? This is uh, two thousand. Two thousand. Okay, you get up morning of two thousand. You have one of them. Uh, uh, you go out to the mail. You're like, all right, get your morning flow on. You got to get the boo boo going. You're reading the mail. <laughs> Uncle Sam looking at you. He telling you what you're gonna do. Come on, mom said y'all going to jail. Talk to you soon, your wife. Honey, I'm going okay. And then next thing you know, you decide to join the military. And it was like that. Like that right there was, was uh, looking back on it, not to say by any means was it a haste decision, but it's definitely a story you don't hear very often. Usually it's like, for like me, like, yeah, like you talk about the street life, right? You doing some things you weren't supposed to be doing. Yeah. And like me, I was like, yeah, it was either this, that, or the other, uh, or I go serve. Um and there were some hurdles I had in, to negotiate to get in there and to be able to serve. But you were just like, man, I got up. I thought I had me, I, you know, took care of some business. Next thing you know, I was ready to move on. So that's, that's, that's something you really don't hear about, hours, man. I just like put your mind to it and you do it. I mean, you know, like I said, it, the funny thing is, is that as, as we talk and we, and we learn more about each other and, and about me, I literally, when I was younger, I always felt like there was just something that was really calling me. Um, I never knew what it was. You know, I didn't have any real guidance. I didn't have any real, you know, mentorship that was pushing me in any one direction. But I knew that failure for me wasn't an option. Uh-huh. Um, so no matter what I did, everything that I did that I, I enjoyed doing, I did it to the fullest. And I refused when I was a young man because, you know, teachers when you are in a certain environment and you act a certain way, people, you know, will either embrace it or, or you automatically know judge you automatically judge you. And so I was one of them students that teachers just automatically wrote off, but you know, but then you always do that one principal and that one teacher, that one teacher say, Oh, you know, this kid has a lot of potential. He's just not using it. And so one of my teachers told my mom, and when I was in um, 10th grade, one of the last years I was in high school, my mom went to the first parent-teacher conference in my life. <laughs> and this teacher had me for three classes from ninth grade to 10th grade. And she told my mom that she didn't even know I knew how to read. But she passed me for two classes <laughs> prior to this. And the two classes was developmental reading. <laughs> in theater arts so here i am in theater arts too and she's just now saying i didn't even know you knew how to read but he got some b's in the first two classes so it's like okay you know um and, and she knew i knew how to read because in theater too uh one guy got sick and she asked me to take the spot and i'm like okay so i go in the back i read the lines and i come back out and she's like well, where's your where's your script i said i don't need it and she said, well, you sure? I need you to read. I said, I have it under control. And she asked mm-hmm. me again. And then the guys come out. It's action. And I, I say my lines. And she's like looking at me. And she says, well, when did you learn? I said, well, you just asked me. <laughs> when did you and learn? Like, <laughs> I just figured out. When did you learn to read? Like, I just figured out. Yeah, I, I did it all in the back. Phonetics and everything. I just, I just did the ABCs and taught myself how to read 10 minutes ago and I learned this script to do you a favor. And so in that moment, she's like stunned and, and she made it tell my mom that she didn't know I knew how to read. So that was the expectation 
that teachers even had for you, you know? And Correct. so for me, if that's the kind of people that I have around me that don't even care, you know, but you're going to just keep passing me, keep, passing keep me. sending yeah, me yeah. on, yeah. you know? But for me, I knew what I was capable of deep inside, even though I was mad and angry and there was a lot of darkness there. I still knew, though, that I was capable of something more than just being a street thug, a game banger, a drug dealer, or just a statistic, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you get that same feeling whenever you were in college taking classes? That the teachers, professors, they weren't, they didn't see your potential? Um, I definitely had some professors that, you know, looked at me as just probably what, the, what you would call a passerby. Okay. Like he's just here to play football or he's just here to, you know, my, my, my first coach, literally when I sat in his office and he was doing my schedule, he, uh, he, he put down basket weaving and TV and, and this and that. And I said, coach, I'm not a dumbass. I need some real classes here and, and I, I need to be challenged. And so he was like, oh, okay. So he took me out of basket weaving and he took me out of sh- shoelaces 101. <laughs> and he put me in college algebra and biology. And I was like, yeah, I'm good now. I'm a college student. <laughs> I'm a guy, I got to add a basket with you. I'm, I got I'm shoelaces. I'm doing something real yeah. myself. I, I'm tired. I wanted to do art appreciation. <laughs> and so I now I'm in biology and college algebra. And I promised you I was begging for basket <laughs> Those were the hardest classes I ever took in my life. And uh, I, I spent, I actually spent, um, my second and third year in college, retaking all of my classes <laughs> my first year, I failed every single class. And my roommate, we all played football. My roommate, we go home one time, we were talking to one of the offensive linemen's mom. My roommate says, just try to bust me out to, to, to his mom. And he says, my nickname is Peanut. And he says, Peanut failed all his classes last semester and she was like oh my god she's like you gotta do better you know what what i said well hold on i said brett filled all his classes too <laughs> and, and he says i went to class every day I said, well, that makes you dumber <laughs> you, you, you went and, and you didn't even didn't pass you went and didn't pass when i realized i couldn't pass i stopped going <laughs> So, so um, you go to the recruiter's office, right? And and you take your ASVAB. And usually, you know, whenever we talk to, uh, you know, whenever I talk to veterans, I know my story and how, so on and so forth. And usually, recruiters always there's always that recruiter trick me type of deal, or they did this or they did that. Um, what what ended up being your options uh, in in the military? I, uh, and, and then, and I apologize for our listeners yeah. here, uh, just because because I assume and I know, but the United States Army, um, but for our listeners here, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Taylor, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Taylor may have been in another service, but Mr. Johnson, Mr. Fred Johnson was in the United States Army. Uh, so, what were your other options? I mean, as far as that was and and, and so, career progression. So, I uh, once I got to my recruiter's office. You know, I was kind of focused on one thing. I was pre-law in school. And so my, my you know, ambitions were to become a lawyer. And so I wanted to do, you know, um, JAG, 
you know, I, I watched the show growing up and mm -hmm. my mom's a huge, I, I watched every law show on earth and Jag was one that was towards that time frame. And so I was really interested in, in that and, and being in that field. So that was my goal was to be um, a, a paralegal or, you know, legal assistant and then work my way towards being a Jag lawyer at some point in my military career. Um, I took the ASVAB and I can't remember what score I got on it. I just know that it, it, it was enough that I didn't have to be a cook. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Not to knock the cooks. I just knew I didn't have to be one. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and so um, I ended up uh, I ended up being a uh, 92 Yankee. So I was a supply logistics specialist. And, and and my recruiter, he really sold it on me when he told me that I didn't get a high enough score to be, um, you know, the uh, the legal on the legal assistant um, part of it. So, you know, he told me all the cool stories about supply guys and how they run the units and, you know, everybody respects the supply mm -hmm. guy, you know, and, and he tells me all the fun stories about all his supply sergeants and, and this and that and it was it was cool it was a good story it was a good web spent you know? <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sure that these stories existed somewhere in the army it just so happened that i ended up in the ranger infantry unit which is which is exactly <laughs> what uh you know the, the preface i haven't i haven't told uh uh co-host here uh I know a little bit about your backstory and how we had met. So uh wanna take a break real quick and then we're gonna come back and hit about basic and then we're gonna hit about because when the first time I met him, so as he said in his editing his very white voice, I'm a hefty, uh, hefty man. And then he starts talking about he was in a ranger bat. I said, Hold on now, man. Like, hold on, you better kick back. It's, it's one of those army things. And we we we're gonna talk about it. I wanna hear, I want I want him to to be able to elaborate on his time and uh, I'm curious now <laughs> it, it, you know how we do that vet thing we always look at each other and you're like yeah you guys get it and yeah. I'm like oh, I, I am just <laughs> <laughs> okay. so coming right back at you after the break we're going to hear about basic uh, and we're, we're just real quick basic where was that at for Fort Jackson Fort Jackson I figure figure relaxing Jackson I figure so <laughs> Uh, and 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 uh, Fred and his story. So come back at you after the break. Class is a veteran. All right, back from break. Uh, you know, before in the very beginning of the uh, the podcast, we were very uh, very crude and always say we right now. I go take the three S's: shit, shower, shave, and do what you want to do. And we're trying to you know refine the podcast, make it a little bit more user friendly, a little more family friendly. Even though I know everybody. If you listen and you active duty, if you active duty, you listen and your kids know what this is. Your kids hear worse at home. No, I was like, it's like I'm the bad guy because I done said this. <laughs> I wasn't active duty, and my kids understand. There, there you go. <laughs> so there we go. We're at relaxing Jackson as a '92 Yankee uh, in basic training, and this is one thing I always love is when. Uh, my co-host gets to kind of question you about your basic training stuff because I understand me and you understand basic, but I love it when she gets to say, 
What does that mean? Fucking smart ass. She she been doing this long enough. She know what I'm talking about. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I want you to do something around here. I want you to act like I want you to participate in the podcast if you don't mind. Oh, I am participating. <laughs> I was waiting for you to start jabbing away again. Okay. So my okay, 92 Yankee. Here's my one thing. What is with the number and and then the name behind the number? I, is there a reason? Is there a the only thing I can tell you is that it, usually if there's a one in front. It means that they are a combat unit of some or combat MOS of some sort. 11 Bravo, 11 Charlie, uh, 13 series, 12 series, 18 series. Usually with the one, it indicates some type of uh, combat. Usually sixes are um, administrative and the 90 series are usually logistics. logistics. Yeah. I don't know. Now, the letter is your job. So an 11 Bravo is an infantryman, 11 Charlie is a mortarman. Uh, 12 Bravo is a combat engineer. 12 Charlie is a river rat. I, I don't know why it's with the military. Yeah, it's, just, okay. it's just a designation, I believe. I mean, and like you said, so 90s or 11s or 13s, the series themselves, I, I believe, one, it puts individuals like in the same trainings. So, um, you know, okay. so for example, 92 series, for the most part, they all went to Fort. Well, no, you go anywhere for basic. But then you all pretty much end up in Fort Lee, Virginia for AIT, which is your advanced individual training. Okay. So, okay. you know, and then the letter itself is the designator of what the actual job is. So 92 Yankee, 92 Alpha, 92 Golf, you know, so cooks and and um, warehouse administrators or unit uh, supply guys. So the, and you're 92 Yankee. I'm a 92 Yankee, so I was a okay. Nia supply guy. 92 okay. Alphas was, is a warehouse supply guy. Okay. Okay, so you get to basic. I get to basic at, at Fort Jackson, and I find out when I get there that it's called Blackson Jackson, which I didn't <laughs> know, but I later find out exactly what that means and <laughs> how much trouble that can get you into. Um, Fort Jackson was cool. You know, it was uh, one of the two, uh, I believe, training facilities that has co-ed uh, drill sergeants. So you have men and women drill sergeants. So you have, you know, for- I heard the women are meaner than the men, or they can't be. I, I think that there's a there's a thing there to not, you know, be taken advantage of. So I believe the women do have to be a little tougher, you yeah. know, um, in those, in those experiences themselves. to, yeah, so that, you know, when you're training men and, and they're twice your size and, you know, you, you got to come across a, a certain way. Agreed. Otherwise, they're probably going to not feel like they're getting respected. Yeah. So, I mean, by, by all means, I mean, my drill sergeants were some hardcore women. And but, you know, for me, it wasn't that hard of a stretch because I was raised in a family full of women. So, you know, uh, you were used to it. I was very much used to it. A bunch <laughs> of women always tell me what to do. <laughs> so I felt like home, but, you know, at the same time, I had to stop looking at my drill starts because a couple of them were cute. So, <laughs> so, and then they were yelling at you. I kind of found out a lot about myself. <laughs> I, 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 I figured out some things. <laughs> I might like this <laughs> too much. <laughs> the new pushers. I smoke myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, Lord. 
So you know, I mean, it was uh, uh and it was it was it was kind of tough. We had originally we had three drill sergeants, um, and one of them actually got switched over to a different um company. So we ended up with two. Drill Sergeant Adams and Drill Sergeant McClellan. I don't know why you you remember your drill sergeant's name. name. I, I tell you that in your talk about female drill sergeants, Drill Sergeant Smith. She was light skinned boy. <laughs> she was meaner, and then a mud. She was probably only five three. Yeah. She she had a foot in every in everyone's ass every day. She, yeah, and she she, she was a boy. Just just I'm a, that's all I can say. And you, and, you, <laughs> and you noticed like when you said that there they had to be a certain kind of way, and and you noticed it when for me when I got to AIT and the guys that came from um you know like uh Fort Knox and Benny you know which were all men training facilities for basic when they got there and they saw their first female drill sergeant you saw the way that they treated the drill sergeants you know and calling them ma'am and and then you know hey i'm not a ma'am you know you know oh you don't do that oh no you don't do it because it's like you didn't learn anything you know and then you're still looking at that rank and that's part of your basic training you know what i'm saying you learn that rank so you're kind of being kind of sending in the dick if you're looking at a drill sergeant you know with her different uh you know uh cadre hat on and and but you still looking at that rank on that chest and you see that 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 e6 or that e7 and for you to call her a ma'am you kind of been a prick you know okay. so i mean definitely and they'll flip out and they'll smoke they'll smoke your boots so you know what i'm saying you're gonna learn today <laughs> that was certain you're gonna learn today say it once okay say it twice okay you're gonna lose some weight. You're gonna get a body trip <laughs> today. <laughs> but um, you know, Fort Jackson was it was hard because you know, learning how the guys were in the in the full men training and then being in the co-ed um basic training. You know, at first you thought it was gonna be cool and all, like, oh man, I ain't gotta look at dudes all day long. I get to look at the women. And back when I went in, we had those great PT uniforms. They were very... Yeah, the marshmallows. Yeah, they was loose. <laughs> so, you know, you get to see... Because you, know, you, you feel like you're about to be in this training for the next, you know, eight weeks or whatever it is. And it's like, man, I, I don't want to look at guys all day long. That's that's me. But I'm thinking this is going to be cool. And it was. For the most part, it was okay. But it, it did have these difficult moments, you know, training with women. It was. And I'm. it's not a sexist thing. It's not a toxic masculinity thing it's yeah. just it was tough because you know guys we kind of just deal with our own things and we just keep it moving we bury things inside women i'm not saying that there's a lot of differences but there's enough to make a difference and so yeah. one day you're cool and then the next day you say something and the flying. yes <laughs> I, I thought we was cool yesterday we were cracking jokes <laughs> Dirty jokes and everything. <laughs> that was yesterday, motherfucker. Not today. Not today. And when my and when my boyfriend get here, he gonna beat your ass like, hey, hold on. What? So you know, you got people that are trying to be in these little relationships that messes things up. You know, you got people sneaking in the barracks in the middle of the night. All this stuff is you know punishable by UCMJ. We've seen it. Uh-huh. Um, sex in the dumpsters. Mm-hmm. Oh. The laundry room. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
you know, you, you got these U-shaped barracks. And so across the way through your window, the, the women barracks over there. So you got New Orleans going on. You got, <laughs> you got flashing going on. You the know. curtains are open. Yeah, you know, you got all this stuff going on. And, and it just, it, you know, it, it creates distractions, you know, in, in the training process. Um, but overall, it was great. My nickname in basic training was Big Worm. I was not a small guy, you know, and I was. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that big worm. My drill sergeant called so you me. You lost the nickname Peanut. I lost the nickname yeah. Peanut <laughs> instantly. You know, Big Worm was probably like day one. Well, day one actually they called me John Coffee from the Green Line. I'm just tired balls. Just tired balls. All this basic training. That was originally the nickname that, that I was given. That was by the soldiers. Um, and then once, you know, so that's when we were holdovers and, uh, you know, holdovers, when you get the basic, you kind of just in limbo waiting for the actual training to start. And I went in the summer. So, you know, there were classes in front, things got uh -huh. backed up. So we ended up being holdovers for like literally probably about three weeks where we're just sitting around doing absolutely nothing but raking rocks. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's literal raking rocks. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Not a military term. <laughs> that is a literal <laughs> term. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've seen people vacuum, vacuum the lawn. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like you ain't got nothing to do. Plug in that vacuum and vac vacuum that lawn. The <laughs> military <laughs> finds ways to show you the new and greatest things to do. It's like what we do before 5 o'clock. Most people, yeah, whatever. <laughs> We're making rock away. <laughs> True rocks with the rake. <laughs> Don't know what the outcome is gonna be, but those rocks will be raked. And uh, and so yeah, we we we're there, and and then once I get to the actual training itself, um, my drill sergeant Adams, you know, country country redneck white dude, but he was like, it was so funny. One day we were cleaning the barracks, and he comes in, and it's like, I'm about to put some music on, and we're like, oh lord, here we go. And then he puts on Ja Rule. <laughs> it's like, what? And he looks at me, he's like, oh, you just thought I was just a country, just white boy. Huh? I love me some Ja Rule too. And I'm like, okay, you know. And from there, you know, he, he called me Big Worm. And that's that's what stuck, um, that, that stuck with me from, you know, um, almost through my military career, you know, because uh, a lot of guys that I was with in basic, I was with the AIT, and they, a lot of them ended up with me. Um, on Fort Bragg as well. So once they kind of got around my company guys, then, you know, they big worms, so then it kind of just circulated. So it kind of stuck with me through my military career, just big worm or big J. Uh, like I said, when I was in basic, like I said, I started basic at 275 and I had an extender on my, on my belt, you know, to actually put my, <laughs> lock my belt on. And I would say about a good month in, I, I, I lost it. We had like a whole, I just like, like a whole celebration. Like he, he said, big, big worm ain't got his belt no more. <laughs> I have his extender. And I'm like, dang, you gotta tell everybody. <laughs> I just got my first training, bro. <laughs> like, dang. He, he, he graduated from training, bro. I got it. Here it is. And so I, uh, you know, I, I, these are some of my awesome pictures that I have in basic. Um, like I said, I got, I got married in June, on June 10th, and I went to military on July 12th. And um, I graduated from basic, I believe, in uh, 
October or something like that. And I went, so from June 10th at my wedding, I weighed about 300 pounds. And October when I, well, in December when I graduated from AIT, I weighed 205. Wow. So I lost 100 pounds in about six months time. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was tough. It was hard. Um, but that's what then got you ready for your next mission, which, uh, as, as we were just saying earlier, uh, through casual conversation, we talked about that veteran conversation. He was talking about Ranger bat nine times out of 10, when, you know, the average individual hears that you automatically think that an individual is a tab Ranger or in the bat because just coming from a line unit, you don't have that, that understanding. But at the end of the day, um, special forces, all of those guys, all those special operations communities, they have the exact same components that any other infantry, any other line unit does. And you, sir, uh, had the, the pleasure and joy of losing that hundred and some pounds. And then they send you to uh, uh, be logistics over in Ranger Bat. Uh, and if I am incorrect, uh, Fort Bragg, let's see. So I, I wasn't second. in Ranger Bat. I was in, I was in um, 18th Airborne Corps. Okay, okay. And I was in a Ranger, I was in Fox Company 51st Infantry, okay. Long Range Surveillance. So uh, the Lurch team, Lurch, gotcha. Yeah, okay, okay. The Lurch teams. And anyone that knows, I mean, about the Lurch teams, these dudes, they, they some prima donnas, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a different kind of Ranger yeah. infantry unit. Um, these guys are, you know, Ranger Bat is Ranger Bat. Lurch unit is attached to a military intelligence battalion and brigade. And so their job is to, you know, um, survey, is to relay information back. So long range surveillance is in the definition entitled what the job is is to be done. My first tour, uh, I got attached to a Lurch team for a week. Uh, and yeah, we out there with just ragged, raggedy old regular standard issue. And they, they got all kind of high speed gear. And I'm it. like, man, y'all got some snacks. Y'all got good, real food. And y'all eating nice and sleeping nice. <laughs> so, I mean, because the way that I, I believe the world is and the way um, wars are fought, you know, um, these teams are still necessary, but they're necessary in certain situations and in certain terrains, you know? So um, without that, then it makes their jobs tough. And so what they do in the meantime is they just train. Mm -hmm. So basically this unit is just a training unit, but you know, they train to do their jobs, but while they're there, they're gonna get all their classes. They're gonna get their school. They're gonna get their Pathfinder. They're gonna get their Halo. They're gonna get all the tabs on their chest they could possibly get, mm -hmm. you know? And so these guys are in constant rotation. And as a supply guy, you know what I'm saying? It's my job to keep these guys equipped, to keep these guys fed, to keep these guys on on the move. And so I had a unit with, um, with three platoons and there were four teams per platoon. I uh, was an E3, I was a PFC. And I started off as a PFC because I had the college. And it sucks. That's one thing that people don't understand, that it really sucks when you come in with that PFC or that E4 rank, because in the military, you're thinking that you're going to automatically, oh, man, OK, I'm going to get in there at the E4. I'm going to be a sergeant soon. But there's this thing where, you know, you have time and time in service and time in rank, mm -hmm. you know, and so you can come in as an E4 
and you end up in the E4 for the next two and a half, three years mm -hmm. because you have to have time in service okay. before you can even be promoted to your next position. Mm -hmm. so, so you're stuck in that. You're stuck in that. You're stuck in that rank for a while where you see other guys, especially in infantry, you see these guys come in as P2s, PB2s, and then while you're sitting there as an E4, <laughs> they go PB2, they go PLC, they go E4, and then if you know they're E5 because the MOS is also a, a, a big thing. So infantry guys get promoted way quicker yeah. than yeah. most guys because it's a hardcore MOS. Combat MOS is nine times out of 10 or faster progression. So you hear me and my family uh, going back and forth yeah. about that. So I made it to E5 in, uh, in five years. Yeah. So, that, so that's, here, that's moving fast. And so here I am now at 22, 23 years old. I'm a PLC. I got E6s in my unit who are 20 and 21 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, and so, you know, a couple guys at E6 and a couple guys at E7 that are, you know, like right there a couple years, a couple years older than me. And so that made things a little bit difficult because it was, for me, coming from the streets, you know what I'm saying? We deal with we deal with rank in the streets, but we also deal with respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like you can't treat a person not like a person, you know. So here I am with these sergeants who are outranking me, but younger than me. And you know, and it's like I'm gonna always respect your rank, but I need you to respect me as a man. Yes. Yeah. You know, I have children, you don't. I'm a father, you know, I'm mm -hmm. a husband. I'm not going to be out here playing these goofy little kid games, you know, that you guys are playing. And Rangers are, you know, infantry, it's, it's a different breed of individuals. So yes. it, 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 it can make life tough because their their whole goal is to make sure that you can follow orders, you know, and that's, and, and that's an important concept. And I get it. And I know that there was some, you know, rifts there between me and guys, but, you know, I was kind of sheltered in my cage. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But the other thing is, uh, is that if they are a smart NCO or if they are a smart soldier, they also understand that. And I, this took me a minute to understand that this, you want to get in good with supply. Like there are a couple people you want to get in good with, right? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you right now, supply. You need to make sure is your buddy. You got to make sure. And, and the way when you hands like man, what happened? Like you turned you a TA fifty, turn it on, man. Just like that, you know. Like I didn't see that. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I stay saving the charges. Be like, nah, man. Me, 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 me and Big Worm good. You know what I'm saying? Me and Big, exactly. Big Worm got me. So yeah, exactly. you got to say good with supply. You always got to say good with supply. You come in there, you got that missing TA fifty. You know, I'm just go ahead. I got some extra stuff. We always got extra stuff. I'm gonna slap it on on there. You know what I'm saying? Right to off, move, keep you moving. If I don't like you. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna need you to show me. I mean, I'm gonna give you some paperwork I'm to write up where this is at. Where did you lose it? I need all the documentation, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's it, it is what it is. It's, I mean, you know, my job is very important, and mm -hmm. I um, because not only am I the supply guy, but I'm also in charge of the armor room as well. Um, you know, that's one of the things that we train as a '92 Yankee is to be the armorer and the supply guy. My sergeant left, my E6, our unit had 170 individuals, personnel. My unit was designated to have an E6 as the supply sergeant. I was an E3, my supply sergeant got orders to go to Korea. First sergeant asked Sergeant Wilson, hey, uh, is Big J, can he run the supply room until we get another E6 in here? 
And, you know, I'm a smart guy. I'm I'm not a child. I'm not an 18-year-old new kid. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a 22, 23-year-old. You know, my, my sergeant says, Big J going to be good. You know, he'll be good. You know, you get a guy in here, but he'll hold it down until then. I ended up being the supply sergeant for my unit for the next year and a half as an E3. Oh, no shit. Yeah, as an E3. And this is where things really took a turn for me and really started to suck because, like, like we said, you know, I started off and I was already in this, this weight thing where I had to lose all this weight. And so now I'm in charge of the training um, facilitation of 12 teams. And these guys are in Florida. These guys are in Louisiana. These guys are in Uari National Park, North Carolina. These guys are in Pennsylvania. These guys are training all over in California. These guys are training all over the country. And I have to be at all these D90 meetings in all these places to set up everything for these guys. I have to be, um, I have to go get equipment in Hershey, Pennsylvania for the Halo teams. I have to do all of this stuff. And it's me, it's just me, you know. And here I am on a battalion run one day, and I haven't ran in months. <laughs> and so I put on this weight again. I'm about 250 now, you know, and I'm running, I'm running with rabbits. These dudes are rabbits, you oh, know, yeah, it's what yeah, they yeah. do yeah. every day. Yes. And so I'm out here running in this North Carolina. The heat is oh, unbearable. God. The 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 what what is the the it's like you're biting water. You can feel it. You're wearing it. You're wearing it. You're wearing it. Oh my! And I'm running in the. I'm, I'm running in formation. I'm in the middle of the formation, and, and you know I'm kind of like trying to slide to the outside of the formation because this you, you, only place fresh areas. <laughs> I, I feel like a fish. And I just I just wanted to suck the the air so I so I can breathe in this formation. So I start to fall out of formation. I can't breathe in there. We have just got a new commander. And he want to make an example of you. He brand new commander. He going to make an example of you. I already know. I already know. I didn't see it. I already seen it. Oh, my old commander, my ex-old, they were all good. And we got a new commander in. And he was a he was a Citadel guy, you know. So you know, for people, you know, it's like you got the you got all of the, the military colleges, and Citadel is typically almost like a Marine mm-hmm. um, college, you know. But this guy he came Army, and so uh, he, he's a good guy. But he hadn't been there long, you know. And then all of a sudden, boom! It's like, hey, why is Big J? Why is my supply guy falling out of formation in the run? And he looked like he was a little bit overweight. So literally within about a got month you, or two, you have an eyeball on you. And then 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 uh you know the, the legal came down. Legal came down to my to my cage. For the first time in almost two years, legal came down to my cage and hands me my paperwork telling me that I'm now flagged. Meaning now I cannot be promoted oh, and I cannot receive awards. Nothing. For what reason? Because I was hiding weight standards. standards right? weight standards. Yeah. So you have oh to maintain. Yeah, yeah. So you, th- that's actually, to be honest, and right. that's actually in the army. Mm-hmm. You know, we always make jokes between each service. We know directly between each service, but um, in the army, that is the way you that they get a lot of individuals out because we are the bigger entity. 
heightened weight is always the way. So you start the paper trail and that's the first piece of paper that starts so you're, that. You're, you're busting your ass. You're doing a job that is, is high demand. Like, yes. And you get flagged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Were you pissed? Oh, I was beyond pissed. I was beyond pissed because I was right there mm-hmm. on the cusp of my promotions. You know, at this point, at this point, I should have already had been an E4 working on my E5, but because I didn't have a sergeant in my, I, I was, I didn't have a sergeant that was looking out for me. Right. So, so there, boom, I don't even have my E4. So then beyond that, you know, I not only am I not being promoted, but I'm taking guys who I watch as E2s and E3s. I'm, I'm logistics, so I'm in charge of a lot of stuff. I'm taking these guys to PODC. I'm taking guys to PODC to E5 training that I should be outranking. So I have to live this every day, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm pissed. I'm seriously pissed, but I'm a soldier. Is this flag, is it a permanent thing or is this something? It can, it can be. You can, you can, I can lose the weight. I can lose the weight. I can, you know, um, get my tape back in place, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It can be lifted. Yes. In my situation, though, this was not an easy task because I'm it's not an easy task because he's he's also legit, he's also he's supply. So while everybody else is training to be a soldier, he's still a soldier. Right. His soldiering job is the logistical component. So while it's like, check it out, you you flag, but we're gonna fix you because he has a sergeant that's looking out for him. I'm gonna fix you. I'm gonna start watching your diet. We're gonna do PT in the morning, and then we're gonna do remedial PT at child time. He doesn't have that option. Most supply individuals don't have that option. So while like Sergeant Morales, I'm taking my remedial soldiers. We're doing extra PT. And then you know what? Check it out. You need more training. I'm going to do PT with you in the evening. Well, for him and what he's doing logistically, it's like, check it out. I've got an arms room inspection that has, I've got a battalion and brigade arms room inspection that has to pass inspection or this company is, is, is flagged. XO, everybody's in trouble. So while, so while everybody's out there running, they losing their weight so they can get promoted. He's a, he, he's, he's stuck in the arms room. So it's harder for, I'll be honest. And this is not by any means, it's not by any of my logistics brothers. And yet most of the guys I've seen his story for logistics guys, supply guys, it's kind of the same story because they kind of are stuck in that. Uh, a lot of them are on that borderline there. And they're usually, if you see an E4 supply guy, I've never met one that's not been squared away but it's always harder for them to make that next rank because of height and weight. But because they're, they're busting their ass at four in the morning in their arms room, getting all the log shit together, getting everything taken care of. They can't do extra PT. They don't have that time. They're soldiering, but they're soldiering the aspect of their job to make sure the unit is ready. Yeah. And it's, it's a dual-edged it, sword. It, it is. And I mean, and, and just like the funny thing about it is, is when I was in AIT, when I was in AIT, I was, uh, on my last PT test, I weighed 220. My roommate probably weighs about 160. I outrun these guys. I'm running my two-mile run. I'm running my two-mile run in 13 minutes. These guys are running theirs in 14. I'm not running these guys at 220. Wow. So, I mean, in the, in the fun, one of the funniest things is, is that he came, he was, he was in the 82nd. He came to visit me one day over in my supply case. We're both the same rank. And he says to me, after he sees just a, a portion of my day, he says, dude, I'm not doing half of what you're doing. <laughs> He's like, you, this is a lot. And so, yeah, it, it was upsetting, but it never deterred me from wanting to be the soldier that I wanted to be. You know, um, you know, just. 
it's one of the, and the thing of it is the army is such a large machine. Um, you know, there are a lot of good individuals and as you said, soldiers doing their job and, and the way it goes, the promotion system is not perfect. Uh, and you know, a lot of it is leadership. I had great leadership. I didn't realize that till I became a leader. Um, as you said, you had the absence of a leader, so it made it hard for you to progress. But um, I already know the man and the character and how who you are and how you are that you did progress. And we're going to come back that to you after break, talking about what you got going on now uh, and how you end up uh, eventually getting out and then uh, kind of how we met and all of the great things you got going on. Coming up after the break, class is a veteran. Back at you, ladies and gentlemen, here on Classes of Veteran. Uh, really want to thank all of our listeners for the success of this podcast. I always want to thank um, my guests, my guests today, my guests uh, in the past. Um, if you like what you hear, check us out at www.mentoringtheforce.org. You can make a single donation there or on Anchor. Uh, by Spotify. Uh, check it out, Classes of Veterans. We are on six different platforms. And our new sponsor, Adori, who works with The Pitch. So if you hop on thepitch.com, check it out there, Classes of Veterans podcast. Give us a look, a like, a listen. We are uh, on all, also on all major uh, social media platforms. Give us some feedback and, um, you know, really get engaged with us, man. This is really what we love doing here is – you know, this is veterans coming full circle. Uh, Fred here, I'm just an outstanding individual, an outstanding uh, soldier, an outstanding American. Uh, the way I met this gentleman actually was through, and we've talked about this before, service. Service of our fellow man. Uh, in this particular case, service of our fellow veteran. But service of mankind really is what it comes down to and taking care of people. And I met this individual um, through a program that I worked to, where I worked uh, with prior to my nine to five. And, uh, you know, we kind of just joking around and hit it off. You know, he was doing one deal. Uh, you know, he had already had his, his, his degree path and was uh, working with veterans on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I'm still climbing the ladder there. Uh, I think I'm gonna be climbing the ladder the rest of my life because it's kind of what I do. I like I like that ladder. It's what I do. But you know, we kind of hit it off, and uh, ever since then, you know, kind of a kindred spirit. Uh, you know, definitely an amazing man, and all the stuff that you do. So I want to get back though to where we left off at. Um, so you're all right. Promotion ain't happening, and then you get ready to call it a day. Yeah, um, you know, it was at that point it was uh time for us to head to Iraq. And so uh, you know, we, we did that. Um uh, I had an E six now, there was an E six in my unit, we had our little, you know, situation, uh, you know, our back and forth. But like I said, I'm a soldier. I respect the rank, and that's that, you know, no matter how long I have been in charge of the unit, um, supply, I, I knew that it was time for me to relinquish that power. Uh, we had to go through our struggles, but we, we did it and, and we made it through. So now it's time to get ready to go to uh, Iraq. Just quick, funny little story. We uh, He asked me to go get some water for our deployment. And so I leave and uh, and I, I leave at five in the morning. I come back at about seven, you know, it's about, you know, 1900. And he, he, uh, 
he looks at me, we're still kind of at each other a little bit. And he says, man, where you been all day? And I was like, you told me to go get some water. And he was like, man, I told you, it took you all day to do that, to put in the requisition. I said, man, I got three LMTVs of water out back. He was like, what you mean? I said, man, I got the water. <laughs> and he was like, let's go outside. So we go outside and here I have these three LMTVs packed to the top with water for this deployment. And we got to find somewhere to put now because he's looking at me and he says, man, I, I, I thought you only put the requisition in. I said, well, I thought you told me to go get the water. He said, man, he said, I've worked, he said, I've been in the military for 15 years. He said, and I've worked with a lot of E3s, a lot of projects. He said, I got E5s as supply, as supply clerks. He said, I, I promise you, I never had one that could accomplish nothing like this. And I was like, Sergeant, I'm just here. I'm here for you, man. I'm not trying to push no buttons, man. Mm -hmm. And that's me as a soldier, you know. So we go to Iraq, and I think that moment allowed him to trust me enough. So I ended up in the, in the, in the, in the forward movement. Mm -hmm. You know, um, he actually had never left Kuwait and okay. I was in Iraq the entire time um, as an E3, man. I had a lot of a lot of officers that would see me and they're like, man, hold on, you running this unit supply? And they I tell them the story. I'm not trying to I'm not seeking, you know, they asking me. So I'm telling them. Yes. Yeah. And they're trying to find ways to get me promoted, field promotions while I'm out there in Iraq. Um, I wanted to put my OCS packet in. I wanted to do a lot. I didn't let this unit, which I love the unit, and I didn't let it taint the way I viewed the military, you know, because that was unfair. You know, the military is a big, a big machine, and that that one department, that one, you know, section isn't it isn't a full explanation of everything that you can do and achieve 100%, in the military. Hundred percent. Um, I ended up being, I ended up getting hit. <laughs> I got hit by the commander's vehicle <laughs> because his, his sergeant didn't chop lock the vehicle properly, and here we are at a, at a uh, manufacturing company and where we were where we were bunking down at, and uh, it was middle of the night. Vehicle not chop locked properly, couldn't even see it coming. Next thing I know, I'm being mowed down by a, a, a Humvee. A Humvee, light uh, up, up armored or light Humvee? Um, armored. Uh, yeah, you know, so, it's a commander's so, vehicle. Oh, yeah, so, so I mean, it's yeah, heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it caught me. It caught me right in my leg. It, it, it buckled my knee. It drugged me for a minute. One of the guys grabbed me by the collar, pulled me out. Um, I ended up on crutches. I was on crutches. I was gimping around uh, Mosul and Tikrit for you know, saying a couple of weeks before I ended up getting medevaced out to Germany. Um, I was I was in my uh, window of of ETS. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they had stop loss for a while mm -hmm. and they had lifted stop loss. So boom, I go through surgery. I'm not even, I'm not even in rehab and I'm literally ETSing. So I'm out of there. I didn't even get to see the guys, nothing, you know, so I didn't have a, I didn't have a. You didn't have a redeployment. You didn't have a goodbye. You didn't have a transition. Nothing. Your shelf life had expired it's, and they said, see you later. That's, see you later. that's, 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 that's shitty. <laughs> So I'm out of there, you know, I get back to the States. Um, you know, I'm figuring life out, man. It, it was tough, but uh, I went back to school, you know, um, at this point, just to jump ahead. I mean, at this point, you know, I, I finished my bachelor's degree that I had um, dropped out prior to going to the military. I finished my bachelor's degree. I uh, moved it, I shifted from social work to political science to public administration because my time in the military made me 
want to be more um, macro in what I did for the for the community instead of the individual mm-hmm. micro aspect of it. Um, so I got my um, bachelor's in public administration. I went to school later and uh, received my master's in public administration. And then later on, I went back and received a second master's degree in uh, clinical therapy. Um, currently, I'm on break right now from you know my PhD. But uh, in that process of all the school, I also got involved in um, the veteran aspect of counseling and case management. So I originally worked for um, the state of Kansas Department of Commerce as a uh, disabled veteran uh, outreach program specialist. Okay. And so in that position, you have to be a disabled veteran in order to obtain that position, which at this point, I have been out of the military for about five years. I had never been and to you the had VA. And you had not done anything. Never been to the VA. You already know that it was. <laughs> you already know what I'm about to start saying, but, but I already know you squared away, but go ahead. You know, never had been, didn't know nothing about the VA, you know, nothing at all. And I get these guys that were really helpful with the state of Calm, state of Kansas, that were working with the uh, employment agency. And they, hey, when you go in there, you know, <laughs> you got to break it down for them. Yeah, what, what's wrong with you? I said, well, when my knee hurt. And they said, well, tell them that your pinky toe hurt. You know? <laughs> tell them that your back hurt. Tell them, tell, tell them everything. <laughs> tell them everything because you're going you're gonna to need it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I like to consider myself a very honest and, and a man of integrity. And, and I didn't know exactly what all that meant, you know. And mm-hmm. I wasn't saying that these guys weren't. It's just from my perspective, you know, I, I just don't like to think that I'm being deceitful on by any means, you know. It's also something that's hard for us because it's something that's hard for me to to actually say that I'm disabled. Like, yes, l- and that's, that's th- hard. That's something that actually takes a long time to, um, you know. And I think a listener's no air says I'm 100 permanent and total. But it took me a long time to actually sit there and own and or say. I am disabled, and I imagine knowing yeah, you, it's hard to say that. One hundred percent to say that you're disabled, it almost insinuates that you're incapable of something. But then beyond that, they wanted you to go in and do these psyche vows, and they wanted you to, you know, tell me well, you, you don't want to do psyche vows. No way, because in my mind, I'm telling myself that you know I have all these aspirations. Still, I want to do things. I want to be in politics. I want to. I, I don't know where I'm going to end up, but what I don't want is for people to be able to look into my record and feel like I'm not capable Correct. because of this documentation that says that I'm this and I'm that. Oh yeah, and he's crazy too, you know? And in my mind, I'm like, I, I can't do this, but I am struggling. There is yes. some things going on that I need to address, but you know, I, I'm, I'm not there yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, working with veterans and helping them with employment uh, and, and just um, navigating the system was, was an awesome opportunity. Uh, so later after the case management employment aspect of it, I uh, went and worked for Catholic Charities as SSVF, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, housing and employment is what I was working with. So still case management. Um, I quickly moved from, no, I started with Salvation Army mm-hmm. and then moved to, to Catholic Charities. And one of the things that was one of my biggest issues and why I wanted to do more was because, as I said, now I'm, I'm a clinical therapist, you know, and one of the things that 
we look at and I look at now as I've created my own program is that employment is important and housing is important. But if you're not in a mental place to be able to hold down this house and to be able to hold down this employment, then it's all for not. It's a bandaid on a broken leg. Yes, yes, yes. We have to fix the bigger problems. And so, you know, it, it just made it hard for me to do those particular jobs. Um, I ended up, I know my place in this world mm -hmm. and my place is to help people. And, and I had to find my, 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 my spot, you know, on that, on that mountain of where I fit in and, you know, the programs that are being handed down by the government, I'm not saying that they're not good programs. I'm not saying that they're not usable programs. I'm saying that from a lot of people's perspective on the higher up, you know, they want to fix these individual issues and, you know, and they're going to say, well, we're going to fix this issue and then someone else is going to fix this issue and then someone else is going to fix that yeah, it's issue. It's a holistic, you have to have a holistic you, you mindset. Have, yes, it has to be holistic and it can't be pushing the buck mm -hmm. to the next person that you feel that, okay, well, I, will, I don't have to handle the mental health because the hospitals are handling, are handling the mental health. And so, you know, um, as I continue to educate myself and grow in, in service, um, I just wanted to make sure that one, one of the things that frustrated me was that I was, I felt like I was being told that I couldn't help people sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? And so here I am with this education, here I am with this experience and I'm frustrated and I'm like, you know what? I'm done asking people to give me permission to help people. So I'm going to create my own lane. Mm -hmm. And so from there, you know, what I did was, is I went and I got, a I got my certification in barbering. And I felt like this was one of those tools that I could have that would allow me to insert myself into communities. And, and people start to learn me and I learn more about them. And be, not being from Kansas City, you know, I'm south of Chicago, and here I am in Kansas City, I had to learn Kansas yes, City. Yes, yes. And so, you know, now what I did was I created my first nonprofit, which is called Diversify You. And Diversify You is all about you growing outwardly, you learning yourself, you optimizing yourself as a person. And that's not going to be just, oh, I'm going to help you get a job or, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you find it, housing. It's a complete package and understanding where, and one thing me and you have discussed kind of offline is also to a certain aspect, it's a mentorship piece as well. Yes. It really is. Yes. Um, and I, and I say that because whether we liked it or not, the moment we, the moment we signed that dotted line, we had a mentor, whether it was that recruiter blowing smoke up your backside, telling you to go here. And then somebody yelling at you from the bus and someone yelling at you here, whether it was a forced mentor or, or how that, but then as you progress, uh, organically a mentor will appear and you will find somebody yes. and then at the same yes. time you will turn around and do that for somebody else yes pay it forward pay, pay it forward it. yes and that's one yeah. of the biggest things in life definitely you know and and that's as a barber i mean and, and you know um uh, this i you call me and i'm there you know vince he calls me and he said hey i got this event going on 
um, up in St. Joe, you know, you want to come cut? Hey, man, just send me the dates, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just send me the dates and I'm there, you know. If, if I can't provide that, then I'm not doing this for anything other than myself. And I promise that that's not the case. Um, I, I do, I try to, I, I want to do at minimum, I want to do for people, mm -hmm. you know. And so anything that I have, I will give, you know. My, my, my best friend told a, my brother, my actual brother that I just met four years ago, he, I'm, I let him move into my house and he stole from me. And my best friend that I've been best friends with for 30 years, I have let move in at the same time. So I have my best friend yeah. and my new brother <laughs> in the house at the same time. Okay. And he, my little brother stole from me and I had to put them both at the table because I, and I knew who stole from me. I knew that a guy that I've been with for 30 years didn't do this, but I couldn't make my little brother feel bad about me scolding him for it. So I scolded both of them mm -hmm. and walked away from the situation. My best friend later tells me like, hey, I pulled him to the side and I talked to him and I told him, you don't got to steal from this dude. Just ask him. Give you know it, what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Whatever you want, you know, if he has it, he'll give it to you. And that's how I, I, can, I appreciate those sentiments because I feel like that's the way I want to live my life outwardly into the world. You know what I'm saying? If you ask me and I can provide it, I'm there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you everything that I can, you know. And people ask me in, in in passing when they when they hear my full story, do they think that it's this is me, you know, paying amends to my childhood and the things that I did bad? And I tell them, you know, it, I don't know. There, there's not a designated time where I sat and I said to myself that I owe it to the world to to make up for the bad things that mm -hmm. I did, but. Even if deep down inside that is a part of why I do it, all I know is that I'm doing it from a genuine place, you know. You're putting good out there, and the intention is not to get good back, but is to put it out there because it is right. Yes. It, is back, it goes back to some of those, and I will say that, I will say that, that that time they were silly in our life, but I look at them now and those egos make sense the harder right or the easier wrong. A lot of things that we would say in the military, these slogans, they, you know, drill into you, but, you know, as you grow in your life course development, start to understand that I'm putting good out there in the world because it needs to be put out there. Now, if, if me or my family happens to, or my friends happen to benefit from that good as well, that's because the universe is doing it, taking place naturally. But as you said, um, am I trying to make amends? Not necessarily. I'm just trying to do what's right because it's right. It's right. It's that's right. simple as that. Yeah. And I mean, I just told a friend of mine, we were having a business meeting and he, he owns a bar restaurant up north in Iowa. And he says, uh, man, people always hating on me. You know, people they you know, they, they, they call the F, they call the, uh, you know, health board. They do this and they do that. And, and, and like I told him, but if your, if your motives are pure, if you're doing this because you want to provide the community with good food or a safe place to enjoy themselves or whatever it is, if you don't want people to hate on you, stop putting your name on everything, you know, because it's unnecessary. Yeah. If you're providing a service, you don't have, your name doesn't have to be on the front and back of your jacket. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't know my name. You know, you keep it on front of everything. And, 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 and that shows what you want in return. You want that notoriety. You Correct. Want. And I'm not knocking no one for wanting to be recognized for what they do. But all I'm saying is, is that if you're doing it for the right reasons, then know that 
it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be right in the front standing there all the time, you know, just take what the world gives you in return. And I promise you, I do believe that you will be recognized. Yes. You know, yes. you will be. Those who recognize you will, will you know, will, will pay, pay it forward. 100%, 100%. So, I mean, you know, it, it's a beautiful thing. I love doing what I do. I love the people that I've met doing it. Um, and I, I won't change it for the world. No, well, you know, and, and 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 as we as we wrap up here, I can definitely say, um, you know, I I, I look at um, this podcast. It started off as a very very crude um, creation of me just kind of in my phone, uh, bumping my soup cooler, cursing every other man. Then actually getting some format behind it, and then actually uh, there are a couple of episodes where I spilled my soul and things that I went through. But then I started understanding what this actually platform does. And what this does is this allows good people, anybody, to any veteran and or civilian first responder that has a story, because we all have stories, to tell that story and to be uh, a part of something bigger than themselves, just as we decided to serve. That's what this podcast does. So being able to uh, talk, you know, thank you for coming aboard. Um, you know, today, uh, I thank you definitely for, you know, for being being in my life, meeting me and uh, us continuing this relationship. And as we continue to go forward with it, see what it does. Um, your 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 nonprofit, I'm definitely going to put on our on our Web page uh, as well as uh, our social media page. So get that to me. And some, I can't wait to see some pictures of big worm in uniform. So be <laughs> and, looking out. And definitely, um, you know, I have uh, I own a barbershop. It's called uh, Beauty and the Beard, and that's uh, located in Gladstone, uh, Missouri. Here, and that I have Mondays and Tuesdays where I do, you know, veteran discounts. Uh, so you, you know what I'll do? I'll actually send you the link here, and you can actually create a commercial. I'll throw it in this episode for you. All right. I so that so that way, you, you have all of my veterans out there. Yeah, that Mondays and Tuesdays, Beauty and the Beard out in Gladstone. Go out and check your shop out. It is a nice shop. Uh, and we'll get that rotating here. Hey, brother, I want to thank you, you know, for for, for being my guest today. Um, to all my listeners, uh, you know, thank you for your continued support. Thank you for all that you've, you know, done for classes of veterans. Thank you for everything you've done for the veteran community. But most of all, thank you for being an American worth serving for. Have a great day. Ah!